Welcome to the Wicked Ones Podcast. This is Jen. And this is Tara. And we are sad that spooky season is over. We are. Yeah. It's such a sad day. But uh, we don't have much of a plan for November, so we decided that we were going to open up with some hometowns. Yeah, we thought that might be fun. We've never done that before, so like the the most memorable crime from our hometowns is what we're coming at you with. Yeah. So if you also have any crazy or interesting hometown stories, we would love to hear them. So please send them to us, either DM or find our contact us on our website. Mm-hmm. For sure. I always love hearing everybody's stories. I love it when we get going like at a party or a bonfire and we start sharing things and then you know, people start drinking a little, and then, like, these <laughs> stories come out, and they're so yeah. About, like, their grandma or their, yeah. like, great aunt and... Oh, yeah, everybody's got those. and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh-huh. So, if you yeah. have something, we'd love to hear about it. Um, whether we could just read it or even cover the story, that would be great, too. hmm I don't think I ever told you guys about how my grandma made John Dillinger a sandwich. Oh, yeah. She let him in, that. and he showered and, like, you know, chilled at our house for a little bit. She made him a sandwich, and then he, like, went on his way. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. But I lived right next to the railroad tracks. So you you had to, anybody that was walking back then, they would follow the tracks to Chicago. You know, Chicago, mm-hmm. South Bend, that whole yep. thing. Yeah. And apparently my great grandpa, who's German actually on my dad's side, was a driver for the mob. Oh, I remember you telling me that too. I mean, the things that I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you have those fun facts, send them to us. Yeah, let us know. It's it's interesting. Just ask your parents for those stories that they never told you, because I'm sure they're there. Because how old am I? I just learned that one, like, maybe a year or two ago. They're in there. you got to get them. Well, my hometown uh, murderess is, let's see if you know who this is. I'm sure you probably do. It's been done before, but this is my hometown, so I get to do this story now. She's known as Hell's Bell, or the Black Widow, or Mistress of Murder Farm. Arguably one of the most notorious female serial killers in history, I think. Um, And yeah, she lived in my hometown of LaPorte, Indiana, at the time of her killing spree. And that murder farm was just down the road from where I grew up. Mm. Who am I doing, Jen? Oh, I know who you're doing. (laughs) But I love to hear the story over and over again. It's a good one. It's a good one. She's just... Crazy. Oh, she is. Absolutely. Belle Gunness is my story today. And I first learned about Belle on a class field trip to the City Museum when I was about 10. So, you guys, it's crazy the amount of items and information this museum actually has. So, we go there, and I have no idea. I mean, I'm just, yay, we're on a field trip. This is great. We're out of school. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you know, we walk in, and, and you see some whatever, some boring stuff in the beginning. And then we walk into this room and I just remember being like, wow, what, where are we? It was, from what I remember, it was kind of like, looked like a barn wall. And there's this, I mean, life-size doll statue, whatever, of Belle. And like, I think there was a rocking chair. I might be making that up. And there was like some hay. And then there was like, you know, uh, farm equipment and stuff hanging on the wall. And then you walk in and they have, Under the glass, they have, like, letters and different things that she had written or received from, you know, her her ads that she put in the paper that we'll talk about later. And, I mean... Now, did she have any positive 
like on the community any positive impact that she would be featured in said no museum? not that i know of okay. no this That's is why i was so fascinated right there's like i'm three wondering rooms why she's in the her. museum yeah. when this is all we got, Jen. Yeah, for grade That's school, it. though. Like, oh, yeah. We're going to go. <laughs> I know. I know. It's kind of funny. It is. I don't know if that would still happen today. This is the first time I actually learned anything about true crime. I was fascinated. I mean, I didn't want to leave. I was looking at everything. Jen, they have skulls from a few unidentified victims. I'm, I'm guessing they're still there. I mean, they're probably just labeled John Doe. We've talked about this before, yeah, but what are your thoughts on that? I, uh, I don't know. I, I have very mixed emotions on it. <sighs> well, it's there. It's very interesting. If you go, you can see all of these so-called relics and different things. I mean, whatever was left, right? The, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people took things from the scene of the murders and, and the house and, and things like that. So, But there's still quite a bit left. I mean, it's, it's insane. But the mysterious circumstances surrounding the fire... At her home, the possibility of her escape has always been something that I've I've just I've always kind of every couple of years I'll go in and Google you know did they do anything else with Belle did they exhume her body did they mm-hmm. so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one I know you've heard the story before but now I get to tell it so let's dive in and oh and for you listeners just a quick reminder all of our sources are accredited and posted on our website if you'd like to read those articles for yourselves but. You have Google too, so we assume that you're here because you want to hear us do all the research and tell you guys about it. So remember to get your butts over there and rate and review um, since we we did the hours of work for you. (laughs) So hopefully you enjoy it and uh, you'll give us a five. Um, So starting with just a little bit of her early life. And you have to remember back in that time period, it's a lot of he said, she said, and there's not much to go off of. But this is what was recorded. Belle was originally born Brynhild Paulstadter Storseth in Selby, Norway, November 11, 1859. She was the youngest of eight children. She grew up working on her parents' farm, and she worked really hard. I imagine a lot of kids did that back then. I mean, you needed all hands on deck, right? I mean, this was like your family counted on you. She was physically very strong. She was tall. She stood about 5'9". All those, the Chicago trip says six foot, but either way, she was, you know, decently tall. She weighed over 200 pounds. Her height and weight may seem irrelevant, but later on, it's actually very important, which is why I mention it now. Unfortunately, not much is known about her childhood, which, you know, we all know can help piece together sometimes why people have the tendencies that they do. But the only story that came out later on, and this is the one that I wanted to share because it seems the most relevant, she was 18 years old and it was said that she was pregnant. She was attending a country dance and she was brutally attacked and beaten by a man. It doesn't say, couldn't find a name, but he kicked her in the abdomen and it caused her to miscarry. So apparently he was from a rich family. He was never prosecuted for the crime, which is why we probably don't know his name or it's not true. I mean, you just, you never know. Was it his baby? I think that's the assumption here, that it was probably his, and that's why he did he did this. Um, but either way, Belle was never the same, according to the rumor and the locals who knew her. So, I don't know. What do you think? Could this be why she hates men? Rich men? She takes things to a whole new level, so I'm... <laughs> she does. I'm not, I'm not sure. And, I mean, those, those stories are so... I, they're so vague, and like I said, back then, it was whatever was recorded was what, you know, her third cousin removed remembered. You yeah, know? I no mean, fact or date. Or, right. Yeah. So, so it's kind of hard to say. 
But I think even if a story like that is embellished on, I think it's just, I think it just goes to show why some people need an explanation of why somebody's evil. Um, in the years after that, she worked as a servant girl. She was working and saving her money until she could emigrate to the U.S. I believe I read that her sister did. So this is, you know, she was, she was working up to do the same. She came over to America in 1881 at the age of 22, where she met a man named Mads Dietlov Anton Sorensen. <laughs> That's a mouthful. And they ended up marrying. They opened up a candy shop where they lived in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, not too long after, their business was struggling and the candy shop burned to the ground. Oh, along with one of their homes. So convenient. So, and so then after this, they were able to collect insurance money on it. Um, they had four children between them, but it's hard to say if any of them were adopted. Two of the children never lived past infancy. And what do you know? They both had life insurance policies on them. And of course, they paid out too. So, why did you say adopted? I don't remember that part. Well, it, there's no records, right? And so people can't really say where the babies came from. Yes. Mads, though, I don't think he knew what was going on because he didn't make it out alive either. He mysteriously what, died. Just, oh, oh, you'll such see. Such a mystery. <laughs> such a mystery. I mean, all these life insurance policies burns Jen. down. And... I, it, you just have to wonder how she got away with it for so long. Yeah. I mean, the signs are just like right there. It's. But I'm sure there just wasn't records. No, like I don't there think. Was bef- like there is now. Like right. now, if something happens like that and you call to collect your insurance policy, there's steps. They oh, just write you a check. You got to jump through so many hoops and everybody's now, talking I mean, to each other. Back then, I just probably like, oh, everything burned down. Can you go go and pick up your check? Like, yep. or I don't know. That's how yeah. I imagine it anyway. Oh, the, I, I bet you're right. That's actually what I wrote down. Like, you don't even know if you here. talk to Jack or Bob when you call. Mm-hmm. Like, you can give him two checks. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then, no, and again, nobody kept record. Nobody really talked. I mean, Chicago's a pretty big city. So when this happened, mm-hmm. you know, all of this went down. He mysteriously died soon after, you know, the babies did. And this in the same manner. So the babies, Axel and, Cor- and Caroline, they died. They were diagnosed with acute colitis, whose symptoms are, you know, poisoning. Poisoning. Um, or the same. I mean, acute colitis is really a thing, but it mimics the same thing as poisoning. So mm-hmm. that's that's what they were um, diagnosed as for the autopsy findings. He also, Mads, also happened to die on the only day his two life insurance policies overlapped. We're going to get this the done The only today, day. <laughs> right? So she received both payouts again. So... Gosh. Exactly. Right? Nowadays, like, we talked about, this is, like, beyond shady. There'd be investigations. It'd be all over the news. Well, I imagine, I mean, all of her other family is not here, right? They're probably... No, no. She came over by herself. By herself. So, Mm -hmm. nobody's asking any questions, I would imagine. No. And, I mean, you would think maybe he had family, but his name tells me that he probably emigrated Emigrated as well. And... All of these people are just kind of trying to make it on their own. Or if you don't ever hear from her again or him again, you just yeah don't hear from them. Well, and obviously that happened a lot, you know? I don't know. This was like right back in, in the same time as the World's Fair was I going like on, too. I feel like she came out big. Like, this is big for, like, the beginning compared. So she just came out so big that she just continued yeah. in a very big way. She probably had to sit back and go. I just got away with all that. Yeah. This is it. This is easy. Yeah. I mean, 
for a psychopath, I don't say it like it's it's easy, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. She probably was like, oh, I can do this. These people are dumb. I'm yeah. Keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Because, um, you know, as we talked about, like, nobody was talking to each other. The insurance companies, the police weren't notified. I mean, I mean, think of all the different doctors, too, and the different hospitals, right? I didn't dig that deep, but I was curious if she, maybe she used a few different people and locations so she didn't raise suspicion. I mean, obviously she did something. She w- clearly wasn't stupid. She knew exactly right. what she was doing. And but she... infant deaths were so common. Yeah. Yeah. Then as well. That's true. Very true. That wasn't. There was not a lot. If your baby got sick, the chances of survival were so slim. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of intervention. So, but I mean, it does like raise suspicion when all of a sudden dad goes to from the sea. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And maybe it had something to do with the fact that they also emigrated. I don't know. Can you just pretend not to even understand English? And then you're like an even harder issue to work with back then because they probably didn't have people that could sit there and. I'm making all this up as I go along, but, right, there's probably all these factors. Well, I mean, like, not until recently, I don't want to say recently, probably in the last decade, was it, like, it's a legal issue to have an interpreter. Like, yeah. you have to legally, we legally have to provide an interpreter. But when I entered into healthcare, we did not have to provide an interpreter. Okay. So, I mean, so you I can imagine back then, back then, all she'd have to be is, you know, oh. I, yeah, I mean, what? you just don't have to. You know, to... just play dumb, and I don't understand, yeah. and then they're just like, you know what, just, here you go, here's your check, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. Good luck to you, ma'am. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I, I know what you're saying, though, like, who knows how it Yeah, happen. yeah, but it's it's fun to, like, imagine all these scenarios and just kind of, what the hell happened? She had to be a master manipulator. Oh, for sure. We know a few of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know a few people who could have, like, been a bell back in their day. Oh, God, right. <laughs> just a couple. Um, but... So now she has serious cash, right? $8,500 from the insurance money, which would be approximately $240,000 in today's money. Like, that's not a small chunk of change. That's some serious cash. So she decides to pick up and move her two children, Myrtle and Lucy, and her adopted daughter, Jenny Olson. So apparently now they know that these are her children, and she adopted Jenny Olson. So that's where we are, okay? We know this now, apparently, with Your records. died. We're going to give you a new one. Yep. Uh, they go to settle on a 40-acre farm in the sweet, idyllic little town of LaPorte, Indiana. <laughs> I couldn't even say you that with a straight face. say that like you know it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've I will say it. it's a small town, and it, every small town has its pros and cons and different things. But, man, looking back, it really was a great place to grow up, I have to say. That's nice. I'm, I hope ever. I mean, it's, I hope everybody feels that way about their hometown, you know, but... I do. I mean, it's still a great place to live. Um, and for any of like local friends and family listening, this was more specifically like her farm was located on McClung Road, which is not far from the old roller rink and Fox Park. So I know if you live in Laporte, you've been to those places. You know what I'm talking about. It's right there. So if you ever want to drive by, you know, just kind of there's not much there. But I mean, see where the old murder farm was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Take your family, have a picnic. <laughs> so family photos. <laughs> family photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just did that this week. I was I'm so proud of us. It's been a long time, you guys. <laughs> I mean, Chase was like three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your kids too, right? Yeah, it's been seven years since we've had yeah, a family. No big deal. Every seven years we're gonna get those photos. <laughs> so um, so Belle decides to remarry after she moves to Laporte to Peter Gunnis. Apparently. 
She met him when he was a boarder in their home back in Chicago. What do we always say, Jen? Do these threesomes ever work out? They never work out. They never work out. Not a good idea. She probably wouldn't have kept anyone around for too long, but just saying, there's it's never a good idea when you're married to let anyone else live with you. Like, just no don't roommates, do no it. No boarders, no hired help. Don't do it. Just, just, just say no. Just no. Exactly. Okay, so you guys know, though, the honeymoon phase did not last long. Not so long So she at moved all. him in officially, like, as her beau. She did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She did not waste any time with poor old Pete. And yet, a, a, another, uh, another gastritis situation? Actually, no. Oh, no. Well, that's good. No, it's she not. He probably wished he had gastritis or whatever. Just, like, died in his sleep or, I got poisoning is probably not fun. A fun way to go. You know what? I don't know. I don't want to find out, but... <laughs> I'll just keep going. We're not going to. (laughs) We're not. Hopefully not. Um, So only a week into their marriage, Peter's seven-month-old infant daughter dies suddenly. So obviously she was poisoned. And Peter dies soon after. So Peter brought the baby with him? Or was their baby? No, it was was Peter's baby. He must have brought the baby with him from his previous marriage, which I don't know, maybe... I don't know. There's a lot of, like, people getting married, and there's a lot of infants. I can't explain it all, but that's, yeah. So, Belle says it was just a terrible freak accident. (laughs) So, listen to this. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. But he's, she tells the coroner as he's reaching, or the police, or everybody who's investigating, as he's reaching for his shoes by the kitchen stove, a meat grinder just happened to fall from a high shelf and hit him in the head. That's where I always keep the meat grinder. Yeah. <laughs> real high, high shelf. Or Belle had the meat grinder and clunked him over the head real hard. I mean, her stature it wouldn't, I mean, she could easily have, have picked that up. Have you ever used an old-fashioned meat grinder? No, they're really heavy. Yeah, they're, they're insane. Yeah. So my grandma still has one. Yeah, And yeah. we used to use it all the time. You could for sure just drop that on someone's head and. They're done. There's massive no. Massive head injury. Oh, yeah. I know it's bad. It's like. It reminds me of those weights that they have in, like, the uh, Roadrunner. Like, oh, like an anvil? Yeah. like the, Yeah. I mean, just, you're done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. Oh, Pete. Poor Pete. I know. But come on, people. How are they believing all these lies? I mean, she, she had to know what happened. He, something happened to her first husband. I mean, but nobody knows, right? They don't know her history or where she came from. So, I mean, to be fair, the coroner and LP was no dummy. He thought it looked suspicious. So he had authorities investigate, but she was cleared. I should note, she was also pregnant with her son, Philip, at the time. She probably had a little bit of a sympathy card. Yeah, I have a feeling. That was an asshole thing to say. <laughs> she had a sympathy card because she was pregnant. But if she was really pregnant... I mean, Come on, you know she used that. Yeah. I she played her. every card mm-hmm. she could. You know that. She's the one who's playing all the cards. Yeah. Um, so his oldest daughter, Swanhild, beautiful name. <laughs> beautiful. I'm ke- I'm keeping that for my next female pet. I only if I don't get to use it first. Canyon <laughs> Swanhild. Swanhild. <laughs> Can you imagine the kids yelling? Oh. Out the door. Oh, or me. God damn it, Swanhild. Because <laughs> I'm always yelling at the dog. Damn you. Smile. Oh my god. Seriously. Oh, 
it's bad or probably like we shouldn't say some of these things. I just I'm sure it's probably like Joe or, you know, Lucy in another country. Yeah, it's not. But to us, I mean, wow, that doesn't sound that just sounds way out there. But thankfully, she went to live with relatives. We all know she probably escaped certain death. So thank God she got out of there. She went and she got away. She was there originally. She was. Yeah. It says that she went to live with relatives. So he must have brought. She spares certain ones. Well, and you know, you don't know the circumstances. Like maybe during the investigation and all this stuff was going on, and then her family maybe, right, like came to get her. They found out somehow, and they were like, "Hey, you're coming with us, right? This is real fishy over here." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, right? I would imagine. So, in the coming years, Belle played her part really well as the lonely widow and single mother who lived alone with her four children, just doing the best they could to survive. So, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of the community probably were, took pity on her, saw that she had this huge farm, she had all these kids, like, wow, she must, they must have She's a hard really life. pulling it together. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can see it. So, remember her adopted daughter, Jenny, that I mentioned came with them? So, according to Belle, when she turned 16, she went off to Los Angeles to attend college. Just keep that one in mind. Don't uh, believe it. You know, you never know. You never know. I mean, if she got out, that's great, but... We'll talk about it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Many farmhands, obviously, would come and go. It was like a revolving door of hired help, more or less. I mean, 40 acres is a hell of a lot of land. She couldn't maintain all that on her own. They had hogs, cows, horses, chickens, and her children's Shetland pony. Like, that's a lot to take care of for even if your kids are, like, real helpful, like mine aren't, you know? Well, I can say Ava's helpful, but Chase, he'd never make it. He no. would have had a cute colitis, poor kid. Yeah. She never would have kept him around. Oh, no. He no. The lazy ones go. <laughs> but seriously, but, I mean, yeah, that's a lot that's to take lot care, to care of. of. Even if it's, you know, five of you, there's no way. And if the kids are going to school, I mean... So the neighbors figured, you know, she's finally ready to find love again when they notice all the, I love this, gentleman callers. I just love that term. So they start coming around and, you know, like suitors. I just like it. It's so formal. So like on the up and up, you know? Yeah, because this isn't a casual date. We're here to make things happen. I mean, I don't even know if they went on dates back then. They were just like, hey, let's meet up and check it out. Let's make a decision here. You like me? We should do this. Like a business, you know, deal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There had to be quite a few of them, obviously, if it was enough for everyone to notice. Or she had some really nosy neighbors, right? Because 40 acres, that seems private enough that people wouldn't notice the comings and goings. But, I mean, either way, people started to talk. It could, could be the mailman. They mentioned but the I, mailman later. like. And I feel like when people are coming, like if it's not a local, if someone's coming into town, I feel mm-hmm. like back then that was a big deal. That's true. Someone's new in town. New, you know, horse and buggy coming in or whatever's going on. Like, yeah. they're, yeah. Yeah, There's you're right. New person they have to pass through and talk to people on their way. So, you're right. You're right. There's probably a lot of that, too. Or on the train, like you said. Um, but I mean, there's no Match.com back then. So, Belle starts placing these personal ads. So, she would put the ads in Scandinavian newspapers in search of other Norwegian emigrants. She was hoping to hear back from wealthy men that wanted to combine interests and finances on her sweet little country farm. Remember, it's a sweet little country farm. Like, that was, like, a huge magnet, I'm sure. For real, people wanting, like, that simple country life and, you know, somebody who's going to cook for well, you. Well, I think, and, and that was considered, like, a successful, like, 
it's an investment. It's land. I yeah. feel like that was a big deal then. Mm-hmm. Not, and I mean, now Especially too. for immigrants who didn't have anything. Now, too. But, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like that almost was, like, a status symbol. Yeah. I mean, not to be cheesy, but, like, to own a piece of the American dream, right? Yeah. Back then. Yeah. I mean, that was a big... Yeah. Even now, it's still owning a land. Now. It's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Land is not cheap. Yeah. It, to own land is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you. You're going to get a kick out of this, though. The ads went exactly like this. Okay. Hello. Oh my god, they're so good. They're they're great. Personal comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with a personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Oh my gosh. Yes, triflers. But she's, she gets down to business and she ain't afraid to say that she's successful and wealthy. Like, no, she's we not. are not, Belle. Like, comely widow? Like, I hate to say it, but she was not like much, she was not a looker. Like, looking back um, at these photos, I wouldn't say what like, did she say before? she's, um, <laughs> what? Was she unfortunate looking or <laughs> she, not unfortunate looking? She was. She was right in between. I don't know. She was pretty unfortunate looking for, you know. But I don't know. Back in the day and being, I don't know. I mean. But do you know what I mean? Every country's people look very different. And what they value in beauty is very different. And I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean. I wrote a lot about it looking unfortunate looking every day. So I don't have a lot of room to talk. <laughs> Just look in the mirror. I'm a pretty uh, hot mess I'm today. Unfortunate. So <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. But back when but I was. But I still want to describe myself in another way. That's the mm-hmm. part that I guess I find baffling. Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's it's pretty awesome. This this ad just gets right down to business. I think it's it's awesome. Um, but back when I was researching this a few years ago, because this was the first story that you know, I actually put together to record. So I've had this around for a while. Um, I was looking back through my notes and I had in my notes that there should be a true crime documentary on Netflix about Belle featuring Kanye with a new remix where they changed the chorus to, now I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no triflers neither. Oh, that was back when Kanye (laughs) I wrote that down with like little music. Yeah, when he was, what is his name now? Ye? Just Ye or Ye? I think it's Ye. Ye? Y-E. See, I didn't know if it was like yay for like Kanye. Oh, it might be. Or if it's I ye. Either way. But he can't make a video anymore. <laughs> no. No. We can't call him up about that. That's no. not going to happen. Well, maybe. Maybe now he would. He's come back song. He'd be like, sweet, let's do it. Did you see the mask he's been wearing and the boots and the gloves? No. Oh, yeah. We, we'll talk after. It's, oh, I need to see pictures. Oh, that's sad, though. Yeah, it's not. I feel like this goes right along with all the things we talked about during the music industry where they just get run into the ground and they probably need more help than they're getting and they're just money makers. And so he needs a lot of help. Yeah. That's too bad. That's too bad. Somebody go help Kanye. So obviously at the time, I thought it was really funny. (laughs) I told you she had some cojones, right? Like she put out the ad. If you don't have any money, it's going to be a hard pass. Like, don't bother. But it worked. 
Bell's mailman, when interviewed later, said she would receive as many as eight letters a day from men answering her ad, and neighbors would also note that at least one per week would show up at her door, though she often introduced them as cousins passing through. It's just cousin thought. Like, lots of cousins coming around here, I guess. But, oh, hey, whatever. Again, I wish I knew how close these neighbors were, that they would notice all this activity, like I was saying, like, but... Maybe the mailman. Maybe, mail it's, like, maybe was... it's 40 acres straight back and she had people close to her on the sides. Maybe. I gotta go back and look. I mean, I've been I've driven by there, but I haven't actually gotten out to explore. I was waiting for you to do that. One day. <laughs> One day. Um, but she vetted these men seriously. Like you would for a job interview. Like, money was her top priority if you weren't wealthy. Show me your, your checking account. Yeah. I mean, for real. And if you weren't wealthy, like, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. I wouldn't be surprised if she coined that phrase. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So fast forward to July 1907. Bell hired 37-year-old Ray Lamphere, who had a bad rep as a drinker, a gambler, and basically all-around good-for-nothing loafer. Love it. That's what, that's what. She hired a slacker? She hired a slacker. But surprisingly, he turned out to be really good. He was an excellent handyman. He worked really hard. He was very loyal to Bell. She even let him stay in the spare room on the second floor, and the two shared a strictly sexual relationship. So, apparently everybody wanted Belle, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she was hot stuff wow. and just took a really bad picture. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just all in, like, her swagger. Maybe. Maybe she just owned it. Maybe, yeah. Some people just have that. Mm-hmm. Either have it or you don't. Maybe Belle had it. I don't. <laughs> Jen, stop being so hard on yourself. I'm just being honest. No, it's not true. It's not true. Jen's amazing. Um, but being like a farmhand, unfortunately, he was poor. Ray was just a trifler and a very little value. So, I mean, at the same time, Belle had been exchanging these personal love letters for well over a year with another Norwegian-born man from South Dakota. His name was Andrew Helgelian. Belle was not only a murderer, but you guys, she was a clever con artist. I mean, we talked about that. She had to have a little bit of that going on in order to get away with what she was getting away with. But she really, truly was. And unfortunately, she was super skilled at luring these men right into her trap. She wrote these would-be suitors about her skills in the kitchen, probably the bedroom, and painted an idyllic picture of living the American dream together on her farm when they combine their fortunes so these people were traveling like far and wide to be with her yeah i guess it's i mean people are being catfished back then right yeah there's probably no proof there's no communication like there is now so no you can't easily look somebody up online you're just going off of what this person says and believing it i mean hell once they like packed all their stuff up and spent all their money to go to this farm once they got there they were like well it's not what i thought it was but i guess i'm all in (laughs) you know we're gonna make this work yeah so that could be part of the part of the thing too right like shit i traveled here from wyoming like what the hell (laughs) i can't even imagine yeah so andrew took the bait like many others, hook, line, and sinker. The, the poor guy didn't have a chance. He came to meet Belle in January of 1908. Having just the one extra room, Ray was then kicked to the curb. Quite literally, he was made to sleep in the barn. Like, sorry, Ray, you're out, buddy. So, he didn't even get to stay in the room with Belle. He got a different bedroom. Right. He had the, he had the spare bedroom. Well, because they weren't married. 
he was coming to like kind of check it out, see how it was going to go. Right. So I guess she did have some boundaries. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know where she draws the line. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, Ray, you continue to sleep in the spare room. Andrew, you hang out in here with me. I don't know. She was a big woman though. Like I said, like maybe she needed the bed. She was like, this is my bed and I'm not sharing it. That would be me. <laughs> we see eye to eye and So I, I get it. Um, but so Belle and Andrew, who seemed head over heels to those that saw them around town, made a trip to First National Bank of Laporte only two days after he arrived. They withdrew nearly $3,000 from his holdings to start a new life together. So it doesn't sound like Andrew needed her. I mean, he had some decent money back then. You guys, that was equivalent to about 80 grand. Like, he doesn't need to combine fortunes. That's nothing to sneeze at. But this guy came prepared, you know, to settle down. He hadn't even met her, and he was, like, all in. So, I don't know. This must have been pretty common back then. Do you? What do you picture? I mean, I I picture him, like, wealthy but desperate. I mean, that sounds really bad, but don't you know those people? Well, and this, so this is the other thing I was thinking of, too. Maybe more so for emigrants looking for a wife at a new country, it was easier to find somebody with familiar, like, traditions and values. Maybe they just thought that that was easier. That's he, yeah, he trusted her more because... Right. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I mean, they they have something in common. They came from a place they can talk about, you know? Um, it might be overwhelming, and then finding some comfort in that. I have a feeling that had at least a little bit to do with it, but their relationship made Ray very jealous. So it's said that he, (laughs) what'd you say? Ray, Ray, Ray. Ray. Oh, I thought you said Ray, Ray. You did say Ray, Ray. I did. I like it. So Ray, Ray being (laughs) very, very jealous. It's said that he and Belle had an argument and she fired him. So she replaced him with a new farmhand named Joe Maxon. And this is the turning point. So this is when things start to like really pick up. Ray wouldn't stop coming around. According to Belle, um, she badmelt him all over town to anyone who would listen, to the police, to, you know, the town, at the grocery store, everywhere she went, saying he was crazy and that he was stalking her. She filed complaints and was somehow able to convince authorities to hold a sanity hearing. So I guess you could just do that. You just be like, hey, this person's, and they would do a hearing. Interesting. She claimed that he was a danger to the townspeople. So they did the hearing, but he was found to be sane and he was released. Later, Belle had him arrested for trespassing, and many really think that she was just setting the stage for what was to come, but there's more, and I should mention that around this time, Andrew hadn't been seen in a while. Osley, Andrew's brother, was extremely worried, so apparently, like, some of the other guys just didn't have someone, someone who knew where yeah, keeping went. tabs on them. He becomes really suspicious. He finds the letters between Belle and, and Andrew, his brother, in his home in South Dakota. And uh, Andrew apparently had told Asley that he would be returning within the week. But that time came and went. There was no explanation. So he reaches out to Belle, who had a few excuses for his disappearance. But Asley wasn't buying it. He said, we should have a search for my brother. Okay, like, I'm coming down. We should have a search to like, organize the townspeople. <laughs> Belle actually had the audacity to say she would help him for a fee, since her time is so precious. She's evil, is, this woman. Like, wow. Right? Yeah, I just can't even imagine having the guts to say something like that. I told you. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, the things that she did. 
So now the pressure's building. You have Ray causing trouble. Uh, so did he know more than he let on? Was he involved? Was he blackmailing her? And then you have Osley coming down from the Dakotas to search for its brother. So if Belle wasn't careful, she knew this could mean some serious trouble. I mean, like back then, the gallows, right? The walls were closing in. On April 27th, 1908, she went to her lawyer's office. M.E. Lee Leiter was his name. And I only mention it because I believe he still has family back home because the name sounds really familiar to me. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, she told him that she feared for her family's safety and said that Ray had threatened to kill her and burn down her home. After she made out her will, she went straight to the bank and paid off her mortgage. She's so sneaky. Okay, but do you know why she would pay off her mortgage? Like, why she would use that money to pay off her mortgage? Can you think of a reason why she would do that? Do you think there's, like, less investigation if, I mean... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, to throw people off. Maybe. I don't know. Because I was thinking about that. I'm like, why didn't she just take the money with her? Maybe it wasn't that much. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Could have just been like 10 grand, which for her wouldn't have been. Yeah. Or a thousand dollars. I mean, who knows how much she owed. She was probably like, yeah, I'm going to pay it off. Don't be, you know, she was sneaky. No, she really was. She was. So later that same night, she went to the store for cakes, a toy train for her children and two gallons of kerosene. You know, just a normal Tuesday night. (laughs) No big deal. I think she forgot the wine. According to Harold Schechter, the author of Hell's Princess, she served a fabulous dinner of meat and potatoes and spent the evening playing on the floor with her children and their new toy. The morning of the 28th, Joe Maxson, the newly hired help, woke up to the smell of smoke. When he opened his door, so remember, he's in the spare room, he's on the second floor, he sees the hallway is already enveloped in flames by the time he wakes up. So he calls out to Belle and the children. He doesn't get a response, so he shuts the door, turns, and he literally just jumps out the window in his underwear. And he said he narrowly made it out, like the the fire was closing in. But once the smoke cleared, four bodies were found in the cellar. A headless woman clutching three children. So once again, making Belle out to be the victim of yet another tragedy. This poor, sweet woman who dearly loved her children had died a hero trying to save her family. So that's the story, right? This side of the story, however, did not last very long. Osley makes the trip into Laporte after he learns of the fire, and with the help of Joe Maxson, they were able to locate a shallow grave in the hog pen, one that Belle had told Joe to cover up that spring. She said it was just a pile of trash. That was Andrew. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was... I don't think it was weird back then to bury stuff like that, because... Like, I, the things people find in their yard that other people buried that they didn't... Maybe they just didn't want to pay to get rid of it. I mean, do you ever hear about that? Like, people oh, uncovering, like, huge sinkholes of, like, just trash oh, and yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. I think that's very common. Like, so, it was almost like a compost, right? hmm Yeah. So, I guess it wasn't, you know, that strange. I mean, obviously... Especially in a hog pen. Right. Yeah. Though the body, when they found it, was hacked to pieces, doused in quicklime... And in a pretty bad state of decomp. I mean, as you can imagine, this guy's been missing for quite a while. They were able to positively identify the head, though, as his missing brother. Like, Osley was like, yeah, that's for sure my brother. Ugh. But you guys, if it wasn't for Osley, none of these remains on the farm would have even been found, if ever. No one would have started looking. No, nobody would have even questioned. Bella would have just died, quotation marks, this sad little housewife who got trapped in a fire and 
tried to shield her children. So shocked and sickened by this discovery, they start looking closer at the surrounding areas and they notice several other depressions in the earth, right? Areas where the ground is obviously disturbed and it's now it's highly suspicious. Before it was like, oh, it's just trash, right? Yeah, no. So they call on the authorities and as they were digging, they found one burlap sack after the next. Torsos, arms, legs, heads, masses of decomposing human bone and tissue. Five bodies were discovered that day, then nine, then 11. In the hog pen alone and after, it said they just, they lost count. I mean, sadly, one of the bodies turned out to be Jenny Olsen. That poor kid did not make it to L.A. Murderpedia listed that our victims numbered anywhere from 13 to 42, which is a pretty wide range. So I dug a bit and found that Biography.com listed 40 victims and the Chicago Trib 30. So, I mean, you'll soon learn that it was almost impossible by even by today's standards to determine the exact number. I mean, there were just body pieces yeah, everywhere. Parts. Gruesome, horrifying. You know, if you can imagine the scene, skulls found with huge gashes in them. Some of the bodies have been left intact and, and tested positive for strychnine, which we all know is a form of rat poison. All of this, along with the personal ads that they knew, I mean, countless men coming and going, it left very little doubt that these bones belong to all of Bell's you know, gentlemen collars, her would-be suitors. Kind of like The Bachelor, but, you know, back in the day with poison instead of roses. I mean, you know, too much. (laughs) You get some poison. You You get get some poison. poison. I know, though. It's easier to be lighthearted on these stories when they took place so long ago, but it's just, it's really awful and disgusting that she got away with this for so long, and she killed so many innocent men who were just looking for love. It's crazy how everybody saw them come, but no one saw them go. And nobody said anything. They're like, oh, nobody questioned the door. it. Like, they just saw a new one yeah. and thought, like, the other one had left. But yeah. really, no one ever made it out. No. I mean, people just weren't, I mean, they probably just weren't paying that close of attention, right? Like, oh, he right. took a train the other day. just run. Get away from her. Like, he was infatuated, that apparently. That swagger must have been strong. She, I mean, she let him get away, which was rare. I mean. She killed off everybody else. She let him get away for a reason. Mm, I feel like she was just, like, stringing him along. I feel like she probably knew that she could have him come back and do her bidding at any time. That's just the the vibe I got from the story. I agree. But her status as a hero in the community was quickly replaced with stories of Hell's Bell, the Indiana Ogress, and, of course, her murder farm, a.k.a. Death Garden. These stories were told in newspapers all over. The news spread quickly and about 15 to 20,000 people traveled from across the country to witness it for themselves. Like, that's a lot. Families literally picnicked, like, feet away from where the police were still digging up body parts. Like, they didn't cordon off the area. It wasn't like, this is private, you have to get out. It was like, hey, come on, hang out. People were lining up and doing everything they could to get inside and catch a glimpse of the remains. Like, anything that wasn't nailed down was taken as a souvenir. So morbid. It's crazy. But you know he would have been there. I would have been like, I have to see what's going on. Well, and it would have been okay and acceptable because people were doing it. Yeah, So we would have talked ourselves into it. Come on. Yeah, to see, not to picnic. Yeah. I mean, they had sweets, though. They had popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) They had postcards. Oh, my God. But this is where I draw the line. It turned into, like, a carnival. It did. But, I mean, I just don't think that was 
that weird back then, right? People did like the whole town square hangings and like they yeah. did the same thing. They sold popcorn. There was no and you got like, you know, they even auctioned off like pieces of their clothing after they died. Like, hey, who wants a piece of this scarf from so and so? Like it's freaking crazy if you really look back into history. Like yeah, thank yeah. God we don't do that anymore, but Eh, we kind of do in, in certain ways, That's though. Like, we do. We do. Way. Yeah. yeah. We've evolved, but not really. Yeah. We've pretended. We've just put it over here in this little... Yeah. So, but but listen to this. So, even something called Gunnis Stew was available. They sold this. Like, can you even imagine eating that mm-hmm. at your picnic mm-hmm. on the farm while police are digging up That's, bodies? I'd have to draw a hard line there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard pass for that. For sure. But even with all this evidence, it's not an open and shut case for the authorities. So remember the headless body I mentioned? Headless. Come on. Really? In a fire, you're not going to lose your head. It's not suddenly going to just, like, pop off and roll away. Like, what the hell? I don't know. So, yeah, thank you. Let's just run to the basement. No. (sighs) Neighbors and friends come to review their remains, and all of them claim it's not Belle. The body is estimated to be 5'3 and 150 pounds. Mm -hmm. So when approximating for the head, and that's far too small and short to be that of a 5'9", over 250-pound bell at this stage in her life. Like, you know she's making all those homemade meals for men, and she's not skipping too many. I doubt it. So rumors started to fly. Theories were formed. Many people believe the body actually belonged to a hired housekeeper and that Belle was alive and well somewhere under a new identity. Especially when the headless body and that of the children were found to have lethal doses of strychnine in their system. Freaking knew it. Yeah, all of them. She didn't dose herself. No, she's out. Peace out. She set that shit up and she oh. was gone. So gone. So I don't even know why people are questioning it. I don't even know why they're divided. Dude, she got away. She's gone. So that was the question and that's why I wanted to do this story. Was she clever and evil enough to escape the authorities one last time? You know my vote. Ray was tried and found guilty of arson, though not murder, due to the cause of death being ruled poisoning. Mm. So he was sentenced to serve 21 years, but he died shortly after um, of tuberculosis. So he didn't even make it that long. Rumor had it that he confessed on his deathbed to another inmate that he had been w- the one that started the fire. And then he drove Bell to the railroad station, which mm. would make sense. Yeah. Told you she'd keep him around for some re- one reason or another. Others say... There was no deathbed confession and that Ray always insisted that he had nothing to do with it, but that he had witnessed the murder of Andrew, and then he tried to extort money from Belle, and that was when she fired him. So you would think she would have just killed him if that were the case. She's not shying away from that. You know what I mean? Like like you said, why would she let him go? Yeah. No, I don't believe it. So who knows what to believe, but... I did find interesting articles that claim she assumed the identity of a woman named Esther Carlson. They looked alike. They were roughly the same age. Esther was found guilty of poisoning a wealthy man, August Lindstrom, in 1931 in California. They had the same MO. I mean, it's very odd, too, that in the room she was staying, they found photographs of three children that looked just like Bells. So just very interesting coincidences here. But... Esther said she had no children, so I don't know what that's about. And maybe maybe all kids looked alike back then. I, whatever. I mean, sometimes you can see pictures and think, but three kids, all three of them looked like her kids? I don't see Bella someone carrying around pictures of her kids. This is true. Maybe she had that, like, one spark of guilt of, like, I just killed them with poison. And yeah. 
I'm taking this picture with me. I don't maybe know. Maybe to make it maybe as like sympathy inducing. Maybe. Who knows what people go through, right? I mean, I'm not a psychopath. I can't tell you. <laughs> I don't, I'm true. not sure. I don't know how their wheels turn. She seen that, like, that type, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But you're right. I mean, that's a very interesting fact to just, she doesn't have that empathy. So she probably doesn't have a scrapbook. No. <laughs> you know? She wasn't making scrapbooks. Um, and also upon death, they had a man that knew Belle and came to view the body. He claimed... They had the same twist of the mouth, right? So this was when Esther died. They had somebody come and say, is this Belle? Right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, they look alike. Further, a relative of Lindstrom and Belle's sister both claim they were the same woman. Esther allegedly also used strychnine and arsenic to poison her victims. They believe she lured more than a dozen men to her home with the promise of marriage and then killed them for their money. Sound familiar? Later in the article, though from a man named Newt Eric Jensen. He was from Selbu, Norway as well, where Belle was from. So he's kind of one of those those people that can't let that case go because it's kind of like his hometown. Yep. He claims he found evidence that Esther was first married in 1907 in Arizona and that Belle couldn't have been in two places at once. So he also found other evidence that questioned the gap, you know, the age gap, and also that Esther had several other names um, prior. But... It's still a pretty crazy coincidence that between the two women, it was enough for me to at least tell you the theory. Um, In 2008, a team from the University of Indianapolis, led by forensic anthropologist Stephen Nowraki, hopefully I'm saying that right, exhumed the remains of Belle um, in her coffin. They hoped that using DNA from a letter that she sent would provide, you know, proof that she had died in the fire. But due to its age, the, the sample wasn't viable. Her death or escape still remains a mystery. That's crazy. Even the technology that we have today, we we can't... Confirm or deny. Yeah, we can't confirm or deny. So that's my story. And I don't know. What do you think? I think she's long gone. Oh, yeah. I don't even think... This Esther Carlson was probably just some other lady that did the same thing that she did, which is crazy. But, I mean... I mean, it could have been her, but I I definitely don't think that Belle died in the cellar with her children. No. No. It's crazy. They're saying, I just saw um, a TikTok, because everything on TikTok is true. Um, there's this big conspiracy that Brian Laundrie is alive, and that mm. his um, teeth, the teeth they found, were extracted, and... Like, it was a setup. So what did they find exactly? I don't know. Like, what pieces? I, they haven't come out with that I yet? I don't know. They said bones, but then they said he was identified through dental records. So I don't know if it was a skull. Yeah. Or what. But it was just very, it just brought back what I read and yeah. what I'd seen about how, you know. Well, I think when I saw the first post or newsletter or whatever it was come out saying that they weren't going to have a funeral because... His autopsy was inconclusive. People thought that meant that he wasn't identified, but they did positively ID him. They just mm-hmm. couldn't say how he died. Right. So, yeah, I can see where there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory going around about that. Well, and I think people want to believe that. Yeah. He's still on the run. Well, I don't know. People have been getting a lot out of the story lately, I guess. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think people want to. The next thing to talk about, I don't know. It's crazy. 
just keeps going. I, they, I can't have, they can't have a funeral for him anyways. You, could you imagine how it would go down? I mean, it would have to be very private. Yeah. Because. No, I thought that too. I thought that too. Know. I thought, oh. And that's why I assumed they weren't having one. They wouldn't subject themselves to that. That would be horrendous. Mm-hmm. No. Yes. I, I, I mean, they. I, I don't think they released anything about the personal property, like the journal and all of those things. I'm curious when it comes out, though you know, what it says, but like you said, like, what are we going to learn? You know, he choked her. He got upset. He choked her. She died. That's what happened. Yeah. Right. You I know, want, I like, wanted to know more, but then, yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm like, well, we already kind of know. I, um, listened to a podcast recently. So there's been a lot of talk about it. Right. And I, I was very tired of hearing about it and for a lack of better terms. And especially some of these like recent podcasts that basically were, um, just, glorifying, I guess, and just recycling what we already heard in the movie. Yeah, like, there were a lot don't of them. just tell me what we already know again. But there was one specifically that actually broke down uh, the tape of them with the police. Oh. And, um, it wasn't Murder Squad. It wasn't... Oh. I know Paul Holes and Billy Johnson I love Paul it. Holes. I do too, but this was actually not him. Um, this was the other one uh, that I listened to. And... It was very interesting, and they broke down all the body language and everything, and how, like, she was, like, constantly, like, rubbing her legs, or she was, like, self-soothing, like, mm-hmm. all of these signs that you look for in a domestic dispute. Ah, uh, yeah. That. Okay. That show you that she's some, in danger, but she is, doesn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. Okay. That something is really, really going on. And, and if they said, you know, the same thing that, um, that Paulo said, like, there should have been an arrest, which... I was very surprised because I, I mean, I know, and even growing up, like, oh, yeah. how many times, like, right. police are caused, called to a domestic dispute and no arrest If they arrested somebody every time they were called. It would be, right? it would be insane. And, like, yeah. he even said, like, everyone, even if someone says, I don't want that person arrested, it was, it was a really good podcast. Um, It's uh, Derek Lavasser and... Oh, on the tip of my tongue well we should post it we should share it it was really it was really great it's yeah i just really appreciated how there was um the police training that they have to go through to recognize these signs Mm -hmm. that you and i normally wouldn't see but then after them talking about it Mm -hmm. it was so obvious and you were even his personality like when they were breaking down his personality what they say that was interesting well i mean just like he was like very like nonchalant right he was Mm -hmm. like gaslighting her without gaslighting her right and very much disregarding her like oh you know she's trying to Mm -hmm. do this blog thing and like trying Mm -hmm. to downplay everything yes right i mean and he was very good yeah no he was and he wasn't frazzled no he wasn't he was very put together yeah like, kind of like a sociopath. Imagine <laughs> crazy. By the way, yes, I said crazy eighty-seven times during this podcast. It's a drinking game now. <laughs> Just go for it. Just go with it. Um, but when we come back, we get Jen's hometown, and I'm excited to hear what you have. Thank you. I'm excited to tell it. It's always been a one that has interested me. It's kind of nice to be back to our true crime stories. I mean, it was nice to take a little break and do the spooky, but I'm sure you guys are ready to get back to it. So until next time and next week, you guys have a good one. Stay safe and see you soon. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.